KMTT and it's Tuesday today's shit will be given by Rav Yonatan Snogel this week's Parshat Shavua, Parshat Vayakhel Pekudei the perhaps the largest question that uh, has to be dealt with is the apparent repetition of Parshat Trumat into the um, action of making the Mishkan. In other words, in Parshat Trumat we have the Tzivui of the Mishkan, the commandment of the Mishkan. In Parshayot, Parshayot by Akel Pekudei, we have the actual application of the mitzvah, making the Mishkan, building the Mishkan, making the, the Big Day Kehuna. <clears throat> and the question is, why... Why does the Mishkan have to be repeated again in Vayakhel Pekudei? Why wouldn't it have been sufficient to write a pasuk at the end of Parshat Kitisa? Vayasu b'nei Yisrael et kol asher Moshe el b'nei Yisrael vayasu et ha-Mishkan. Vayasu et ha-Begadim. Why was it necessary to go into this great detail over again? In some ways it almost seems that Trumat Tzaveh is repeated in... Uh, in Vayakhel Bakuda, instead of Vayasita, it says Vayasu. They did it. <coughs> this this uh, this question can be uh, looked at in many different ways. Um, the ultimate uh, end that we're going to end up is that the Mishkan really holds some sort of duality within it. And this duality uh, can be expressed in different ways. And we're going to try to look at, if briefly, uh, some of the different ways that we can look at this duality of the Mishkan. And we'll begin with, in fact, what is in between the two parshiot. Again, if we say the two parshiot, Trumat Etzavah, maybe the beginning of Parshat Kitisa, is the Tivui of the Mishkan, and Bayakhel <coughs> Pekudei is the actual making of the Mishkan in practice, uh, in the middle, we have the middle of Parshat Kitisa, which is, of course, Chet Ha'egel. Um, in this vein, it's important to note Rashi. Rashi, at the, at, uh, in Perak Lamed Aleph Pasuk Yud Chet, just at the beginning of the story of Chet Ha'egel, writes the following comment. Ein mugdamu mu'uchar b'Torah, ma'aseh ha'egel kodem l'tzivui melechet ha'mishkan. Yamim rabim. Rashi tells us, you should just know, even though the Chet Egel is written between the Tzivui of the Mishkan and the building of the Mishkan, in fact, Chet Egel is prior to the commandment of the Mishkan. According to Rashi, the, chron- the chronology is as follows... B'nai Yisrael sin and Chet Egel, and subsequently God commanded them to make the Mishkan, and they built the Mishkan. This is well known as a famous machloka between Rashi and the Ramban. Uh, <coughs> I was not able to find, though I might be wrong, anywhere explicit where the Ramban takes issue with this Rashi. However, there are two reasons why, the, why it is obvious that this is the Ramban's opinion. One is that the Ramban is not 
quick to use the the um, tool of Ein Mugdam Mulchar Torah. The Ramban thinks that we use the tool Ein Mugdam Mulchar Torah only when we're forced to. So here, there's no real reason to take the order of the events as described in the Torah out of out of the, the order that it's described. We can assume that the the chronology is is appropriate to actually the way it is written in the Torah. In other words, the way it is written in the Torah, the Tzivuya of the Mishkan, followed by Chetaegel, and subsequently uh, making the Mishkan. There's another reason why um, it is it is apparent when reading the Ramban that the Ramban disagrees with Rashi, and that is the following. If we assume that the Tzivuya of the Mishkan is after Chayta Egel, this is very traditional to say in Rashi, which is, in other words, which is Rashi's opinion, then it is easy to come to a conclusion that the Mishkan is somehow Bidyevid. It is somehow an afterthought. Because B'nai Israel sinned in Chayta Egel. And they showed that they could not worship Hashem without some sort of physical intermediary. Therefore, Hashem commanded B'nai Israel to make the Mishkan. <clears throat> really, ideally, it would have been better for B'nai Israel to worship Hashem without any inter- physical intermediary. But, after the Chet Egel, it was apparent that B'nai Israel needed this intermediary, and therefore, God gave the, gave the, gave the commandment for the Mishkan, and B'nai Israel made the Mishkan. <clears throat> when we read the Ramban, at the beginning of Parshat Truma we see that his attitude towards the Mishkan is not one of B'diyavid. If we quote from the Ramban, V'nei hem kidoshim ru'yim sh'yeh bahem mikdash l'ashrot shechinato b'nehem. V'lachain tzivat chila advar Mishkan sh'yeh lo bayit betocham mekudash l'shmo v'sham yedaber im Moshe v'yitzavet b'nei Yisrael. They are holy, B'nai Israel are holy, and it is worthy that they should have a Mikdash for God's presence to dwell amongst them. And therefore, he commanded them to make the Mishkan, that they, he should have a house amongst them that is holy to his name. And there he speaks to Moshe and commands B'nai Israel. Clearly the, the, um, the Ramban has a very positive attitude towards the Mishkan, it is very lechatchila, the Mishkan. In brackets, we'll say that there's no, that we don't have to say that Rashi disagrees with the Ramban, but we're, we're allowed to say that Rashi disagrees with the Ramban. Once we put the Tzivuya HaMishkan, the commandment of the Mishkan, after Chet HaEgel, we can already start, we can attempt to say that the Mishkan is a reaction to Chet HaEgel. And... Again, as we said previously, both the fact that the Ramban is not uh, easily convinced to take Parshiot out of their order, and secondly, but what we read here in the Ramban, it is apparent that the Ramban does not believe uh, that the Mishkan is after Chet Egel. The Mishkan is the Chatchila, this is the way Klal Yisrael were supposed to be Oved Hashem, is through uh, the Mishkan. <coughs> in that sense we can start already going towards a a potential answer to the question that we opened with. 
if indeed Chet HaEgel, as we are explaining in the, the, the opinion of the Ramban, chronologically took place between the Tzivui of the Mishkan and the making of the Mishkan, then the reiterating in great detail of the Mishkan after Chet HaEgel has tremendous significance. And before I answer it in that way, we will point out a, a different parsha which seems to have the, seems to be very similar. This is something I heard from Ramosha Lichtenstein several years ago. At the end of Mishpatim, uh, we have uh, a series of laws in a parsha that we read on Cholamoid uh, Pesach, the parsha that everybody knows is Imkesef Talvet Ami, and several details are uh, brought there. Uh, there is Shemitah brought there. Shabbat, Shalosh Regalim, Shalosh Regalim, both individually, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, or more exactly, Chag uh, HaMatzot, Chag HaShavuot, and Chag HaAsif, and Shalosh Regalim, as a group, that three times a year, we must go to see Kadosh Baruch Hu, the Isur of uh, being Makriv Chameit with Korban Pesach, and final, and uh, Bikurim, and Lot of Ashel Gdi Bachalevimo, the Isur of the Sar Bachalav. The same parsha seems to repeat itself, not in so many words, at the end of Kitisa after Chet HaEgel. And this parsha is also read on Cholomoyed Pesach, um, sometimes on Shabbat Cholomoyed, if that's the case. And again, the major aspects of the parsha that we described previously are brought again. Chag HaMatzot, Shabbat, Shemitah, according to certain reads of the Psukim, Chag Shavuot, Chag Asif, the Shalosh Regalim, the Isur of being Makriv Korban Pesach with Chametz, Bikurim, and Lotav HaShel Gedi Bachalaviman. This last two Psukim are verbatim, word for word, almost word for word, I should say, very, very similar to each other. Again, the question arises, why are these parshiot that seem to be almost identical repeated? Now, in a, in a level of Torah Shabal Peh, we can try to explain why everything is repeated. The Torah repeats, to tell us about three separate Isurim and Basar V'chalav. But on a Pshat level, the parshiot seem to be identical and superfluous. <coughs> And the idea that Moshe Lechnesin said was that when, if we take our relationships from husband and wife, if a husband, God forbid, or our wife um, cheats on their spouse, it is possible for them to get back together. Of course, halakhically, for a, for a wife, if she's cheated on her husband, it's not. It'll depend on the exact circumstances. But on a human level. It is possible for them to get back together. The question is, what will the tone of the relationship be? Will the relationship be one that existed initially? Does the trust exist anymore? And even if the trust is reinstated, is the same pas- are the same passions there? Can, can, the re- can the relationship really be the relationship that existed before? I'll leave that as a question. I don't know if we can answer that question. But the same question must be asked, of course, about Am Yisrael's relation, relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu after Chet HaEgel. Matan Torah, this grand relationship between Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself, Chatan Vekala, and of course, the, the Kala, Am Yisrael, cheats under the Chuppah, and they go to the Egel. 
And through Moshe's uh, prayers, Kadosh Baruch Hu is Salech Tam Yisrael, and the relationship continues. They don't break up the relationship. Moshe saves, Moshe throws Tefillah to save Am Yisrael, and Am Yisrael go back to the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But is the relationship the same relationship? Can the same love exist there? Can the same passion exist there? And perhaps, when Moshe Lichtenstein suggested, was the repetition of this Parsha in almost the same way is trying to tell us, yes, you can be Oved Hashem in the same way you were Oved Hashem before Chaita Egel. Kadosh Baruch Hu is opening his arms, he's allowing us to have the same relationship that was potentially available before Chaita Egel. And that is the reiteration of this parsha. Of course, if we take this idea to Vayakal Pakude, the same uh, answer is uh, is available to us, and maybe even sharper. The Mishkan specifically is the is the place of intimacy between Am Yisrael and Akadosh Baruch Hu. Specifically, in the in, in that place of intimacy, the test of the relationship is even stronger. It's one thing for God to say before Chet Egel, I command you to put on tzitzis, and after Chet Egel, I command you to put on tzitzis. But for Kadosh Baruch Hu to command the Mishkan before Chet Egel, the place where Am Yisrael is most intimate with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and then the Torah to repeat in every detail the Mishkan after Chet Egel, perhaps is saying to us the same idea. Even though you sinned in Chet Egel, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us the opportunity to build the same Mishkan that He commanded before Chet Egel. Before Chet Egel, there was no lack of trust, everything was pure, everything was innocent, and that was the Mishkan, that place of intimacy God was commanding to B'nai Israel, And B'nai Israel were able, despite Chet HaEgel, to build in every last detail the same Mishkan, with the same intimacy, with the same potential of relationship between Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that perhaps is the first uh, lesson of uh, Vayakel Pekude vis-à-vis Trumat but I'd like to go beyond that to an idea which I think um, is more fundamental in the actual understanding of what the Mishkan is. And uh, at this point, I will diverge from the fact that Vayakal um, Pekude is after Chaita Egel. Maybe we'll go back to it towards the end. But I want to go to a different question. Maybe it doesn't ask, answer the question of why is the Mishkan repeated in Vayakal Pekude. Perhaps it does. Perhaps we are just going on a path now which expresses the duality of the Mishkan. And and the, the Torah needed to write out Parshiot HaMishkan twice to express this duality to us. Consistently, throughout the Torah, and here, much more time will need to, need to be invested in order to finalize this idea and where and a full understanding of this problem. But consistently throughout the Torah, the Torah uses two terms to describe the Mishkan. And they are Mishkan and Ohel Moed. On a quicker level, I tried to go through the Pesukim quickly and see, is it before Chaita Egel, after Chaita Egel? 
I couldn't determine that. The term Oel Moed um, comes up before Chet HaEgel as well. Um, certainly the more dominant term before Chet HaEgel is Mishkan, but the term Oel Moed comes up before Chet HaEgel as well. I'm not sure if it's uh, if I can go in that route. But the question is there. What, why does the Torah sometimes use the term Ohel Moed and sometimes use the term Mishkan? And I think here we have to uh, try to identify what, what the words actually mean. Okay, and here we have to take go out of the context of Mishkan and Ohel Moed and look to other contexts where they come up to try to understand what they mean. So if we start with the word Mishkan, which is the first word which the Torah uses to describe the Mishkan... Um, it comes up already in Parshat Truma. Um, so if we look to other appearances of the word Mishkan, outside Mishkan, meaning the Mikdash and the Midbar, we'll come to a pasuk in, in Sefer Bamidbar, Daber Mishkan Korach Datan Daviram. Mishkan Korach Datan Daviram means the place that they live. Okay? Mishkan means the place of, 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 of dwelling. And in, in the case of our Mishkan, our Mikdash Ma'at in the, in the Midbar, or not Ma'at, the Mishkan then is the place of God's dwelling. God dwells amongst B'nai Israel in the Mishkan. God dwells in the Mishkan. That is what the Mishkan is. What is Oel Moed? So... Oel Moed is used seemingly interchangeably with the Mishkan, and then it's hard to determine. Maybe Oel Moed also just means um, the place of God's dwelling. However, we do find the context of Oel Moed in one place which is not referring to the Mishkan. And that brings us back to Chet Egel. After Chet Egel, it is described, and, and this everybody agrees, that the Mishkan was not built before before Chet HaEgel. Clearly the Mishkan was built after Chet HaEgel, according to all opinions. So we read the following Pasuk in Perak Lamed Gimel of, of Sefer Shemot Perak and Pasuk Zayin in Parshat Kitisa. Umoshe yikach et ha'oel v'nata lo michutz lamachane harchek min ha'machane v'kara lo ohel moed v'haya kol mevakesh Adunai yitzel ohel moed asher michutz lamachane After Chet HaEgel, when the Shechina was Farther away from Bnei Israel, Moshe needed to take his tent, and he he established his tent outside of the camp of Bnei Israel, far away from the camp, and he called it Ohel Moed. Now, what what is the purpose of this Ohel Moed? Anyone who is searching out for God would go out to Ohel Moed. Of course, predominantly, who is speaking to God in Ohel Moed was Moshe. The Ibn Ezra on the, on the words Ohel Moed explains what is Ohel Moed. Ohel, we all know what it means. It means a tent. What is Moed? Ki hayash Hashem no ad lo sham ad mishkan. God would appear to him, speak to him there until the mishkan was actually built. So Moed is from the word no ad. Okay, if we. If we if we look at the first uh, appearance of this this verb, paragraph pasuk membet, olat tamid ledorotechem petach ohel moed lifnei adunai asher ivaed lachem shama ledaber elachasham. I will come to you. I will appear to you. I will meet with you. 
in order to speak to you. Okay, Ohel Mo'ed is a place of meeting between God and Moshe, or God and B'nai Israel, for the purpose of speaking, for the purpose of communicating with God. <coughs> so if what we have here now is we, we have a mo- two different models of what the Mishkan is. Are they different? Are they the same? The Mishkan is a dwelling place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu amongst B'nai Israel. V'asuli Mikdash v'shachanti betocham. And Ohel Mu'ed is a meeting place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to speak to Moshe. Moshe as Moshe Rabbeinu or Moshe perhaps as a conduit towards all of Am Yisrael. In fact, uh, if we go back to that Ramban that we, we mentioned at the beginning, we will see that the Ramban mentions both of these elements of the Mishkan without identifying one with the Mishkan and one with Ohel Mo'ed <coughs> in his word on the one hand they need a Mikdash in order to have a place for God's presence to dwell amongst them and that's what we call the Mishkan and furthermore, he says, "V'sham yedaber imoshe v'yitzaved bnei Israel." There he'll speak to Moshe and command bnei Israel. Uh, it seems, at first glance, that in fact, then the Mishkan seems to have a more eternal purpose. Uh, the Mikdash is the place where. Is where, where God is dwelling amongst Bnei Israel in Eretz Israel. Um, Ohel Moed, which is something a place where God meets us to speak to Moshe, seems to be something that is only in the Midbar. However, technically Moed, a place of meeting, doesn't have to be only for speech. It's true that in the case of Moshe, God met Bnei Israel in. To, to speak to Moshe Rabbeinu. However, God can meet us in the Shloshet Regalim without actual speech. There can be communication without speech. So, in a sense, we're saying here that there's two separate uh, elements to the Mishkan Ohel Moed. The Mishkan is a place where God dwells amongst all of Bnei Israel, and Ohel Moed is the place that God meets Bnei Israel meets Moshe Rabbeinu to speak to us or not to speak to us to communicate with us. When we go further, we'll actually see this in the Psukim at the end of Parshat Pekudei, because the Mishkan and Ol Moed will actually split up in two different ways throughout the Chumash. We read in the end, the very end of Sefer Shemot, Perak Mem Psukim Lamed Dalad through Lamed Chet, Vaychas Hanan et Oel Moed, Uchvod Adonai Malet Hamishkan. Veleachom Moshe Lavoel Oel Moed, Kishachan Alav Hanan, Uchvod Adonai Malet Hamishkan. The Anan covered Oel Moed, and Kvod Hashem filled up the Mishkan, and Moshe could not come into Oel Moed 
because the Anan was dwelling upon it, Uchvod Hashem filled up the Mishkan. The Pasuk that really should continue this is, Vayikra'el El Moshe, Vaydaber Adonai Elav Me'ohel Mo'ed Lemar, the first Pasuk of Sefer Vayikra. However, that's not the pasuk that follows. There are three more pasukim. The end of Parshat Pekudei seems to be describing two different functions of the Mishkan. There is the Mishkan to which Moshe is supposed to come and speak to Hashem. And those are Psukim Lamed Dalad Lamed Hay. Moshe couldn't come into Olmoed because the Chavod Hashem was there until God called out to Moshe, Vayikra'el Moshe, Vayidaber Adonai Elav, Me'olmoed Lemor. In the first Pasuk in Sefer Vayikra, we are essentially fulfilling the Yud of the Mishkan, or more exactly, the Yud of Ohel Moed. The Shechina came down to the Mishkan, to Ol Moed, to meet Moshe. Initially, Moshe is not able to communicate, and then, Vayikra'el Moshe, God calls out to Moshe, God has come down, put his Shechina into Ohel Moed, and he calls out to Moshe to speak to him. However, the second half of those summation psukim in, in Parshat Pekudei describe a completely different phenomenon. The Anan, we, we know very well, on the Mishkan, dictated to B'nai Israel when they should travel, when they should, when they should not travel, when they should camp. This, the second group of Sukim are far more towards B'nai Yisrael. They are not about Moshe being able to come into the Mishkan. They are about the Mishkan's relationship with B'nai Yisrael. The Mishkan is the place that Kadosh Baruch Hu dwells amongst B'nai, dwells amongst B'nai Yisrael, leads B'nai Yisrael, guides B'nai Yisrael. And in that sense, these psukim are taking us not to Sefer Vayikra, but rather to Sefer B'midbar. Sefer B'midbar is about God's relationship with B'nai Yisrael in the Midbar, through the Mishkan, Chvod Hashem God is interacting with B'nai Yisrael, <coughs> not with Moshe, with B'nai Yisrael as a whole. And these psukim, of course, remind us of the psukim in B'midbar, Perak Tet, Uviyom Hakim et HaMishkan, Kisah HaAnan et HaMishkan, Lo'el HaIdut, the Mishkan is leading B'nai Israel, guiding them, telling them where to go to. So in conclusion, what we have here is the duality of the Mishkan and Ohel Moed, perhaps the first set of parshiot is connected the Mishkan, God's desire to dwell amongst Bnei Israel to lead them, and that is the Mishkan of Sefer B'midbar. And the second set of parshiot, the parshiot of Ohel Moed, the second element of the of Ohel Moed of the Mishkan, which is meant as a meeting place with God to speak to Bnei Israel through Moshe Rabbeinu. 
There are some thoughts potentially about before Chet HaEgel, after Chet HaEgel. It is possible that the Mishkan was meant to be more for Bnei Israel, <coughs> i.e. the Mishkan, before Chet HaEgel, and after Chet HaEgel, it became more of an Ohel Moed, more of a place of meeting specifically with Moshe. Because... Bnei Israel maybe lost some of their ability to stand before Kadosh Baruch Hu, and only Moshe enjoyed, in a fuller extent, uh, the relationship with God. There's there's more room to think here about that topic, but in any case, I think what's clear from what we've developed here is that we have two aspects of the Mishkan, a place of God dwelling amongst us for all of Am Yisrael, and a place of meeting with God where there's specific direct communication, whether it's dibur to Moshe to command the Torah to us, whether it's perhaps a place that we come and meet God in the Shloshet Regalim or at any time an individual comes to the Mikdash to meet God. That is what uh, the, the purpose of Oa Moed is as well. And perhaps that is the parshiot Trumat Tzaven Vayakha Bakude. There was a need to repeat the parshiot in order to highlight on the one hand, the, mish- the element of the Mishkan, and on the other hand, the element of oil moed. Shabbat Shalom.